Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 264. Every time I say the number, it boggles my mind. But 264, here we are. Uh, I am joined on a overcast Thursday morning, at least up here in New York, uh, by my co-host Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I uh, luckily... Blissfully, perhaps, missed the first half of yesterday's game, <laughs> uh, but I did catch the second half, which uh, was was very interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But you know, aside from that, I'm doing all right. That is, uh, I think you're right. I think you are right that uh, it was good to miss the first half of the game. But uh, we are joined by a first-time guest of the pod. He is the host of the Believe in Wizards podcast. His name is Matt Moderno. Matt, how are you doing on your uh, Victory Thursday? I felt good, man. Anytime we can uh, split with the Knicks, you know, always a, a good thing here. We'll, we'll take it. Uh, it was one of the better Wizards performances in the last couple of weeks, so hey, we'll take what we can get. Again, not the prettiest basketball like you guys alluded to, but, you know, we're happy to take that in Washington. We'll take any win we can get. I, hey, look, I, this season is brutal with just how much parity there is in the league. Any win is worth celebrating. So at least if your team is trying Wants to win, to win. And, yeah. and, and should be trying to win, which we'll talk about. Should the Wizards be trying to win? Should the Knicks be trying to win? Uh, we'll talk about all that and more. But before we get started, I have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Please check that out. That is on Instagram at the Strick.land. We are posting all types of new content. Uh, so please give us a follow on there. It would be a big help. We also, the Strickland, has a YouTube channel, which you may be watching this podcast on. If you are and you haven't yet, please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button on the video. That would be a massive help to us. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland. And I host this pod every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Andrew Steele and Dallas Amico, the Doug Bag, as we like to call it, around these parts. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles written by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks lost what, at least for the Knicks, was a fairly miserable, moribund, disgusting 16-105 game. Um if I had to take any positives out of it, it would be that quickly and Grimes tried hard. That would be the only positives I take in this game. Oh, and Jericho Sims tried hard. That was cool. 
Um, the rest of it was pretty bad. They looked gassed. They played three and four days. They played a brutal back-to-back with an overtime in the second game against the Raptors, in which the refs uh, decided that they should um, punish the Knicks for their crimes against humanity, uh, which sucked to watch. But uh, I just thought they looked like they were gassed. Obviously, Tim's been playing most of the rotation guys a lot of minutes lately. And look, I, the Wizards hit a lot of threes to start the game. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was hitting step-back threes. Porzingis had it going from deep. When they're hitting threes, like the, the fact, you know, Kuz is obviously a good driver. Porzingis has improved as, you know, his ability to attack closeouts. It looks like he's a way better passer than he ever was in New York, for sure. Yo, he had one pass in, like, the fourth quarter. I can't remember. I think it actually resulted in assist. It was, like... Like to a cutter in traffic while he was moving, and yeah, he had like, one to Gafford in the second quarter. That too. stuff That's just. Really nice. I, I know this isn't entirely new. Like he was passing last year when he was healthy, and he's passing this year a little bit, but still blows my mind, man. Good for him. They talked about wanting to use him more in like the Jokic role this year as like a high post creator for people, and and that hasn't really materialized. But <laughs> he, he, he does move the ball around, I think, better than he gets credit for. Definitely better than he did in New York. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. And, um, you know, I just thought it was, look, you're going to have games like this. Every team has games like this where you don't have it. Nobody on the team has it. The ball is not moving. Um, It is what it is. You know, like the Knicks have had, they've been fortunate for for the better part of a month now that Brunson and Randall have been on absolute heaters. Um, It's fine. Uh, I, I guess, like, where I'm at with it and where my concern level is, is that they've just not been passing the ball at all over the last nine games. I posted this today uh, on Twitter, but over the last eight games, so for the season, the Knicks, lat, they rank number one in percentage of unassisted field goals made at 45.8%, and they rank last in uh, 30th in percentage of assisted field goals made at 54.2%. What is disgusting is that in the last eight games this has become even more extreme to a level that is not like if you look at it it's not even like the the teams behind them are not even close the knicks are first in percentage of unassisted field goals made 58.2 percent uh 30th in percentage of assisted field goals made 41.8 percent it is amazing they've i think they're like five and three over that stretch which is incredible given how dog shit that is as a collective unit um but it's not sustainable, and look, I understand Tibbs wants to put the ball in the hands of his best guys, but they've got to find open shooters, and they've got to have more options to kick out to. Because yesterday, uh, Matt, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I mean, I thought I thought Washington actually did a really good job on them defensively last Friday, too. Um, the Knicks just made a really good run early in the fourth quarter. They'll probably one stretch of that game when they moved the ball pretty well. Uh, and I think yesterday, look, Brunson got into paint a ton. Randall got into paint a ton. RJ got into paint a ton. Quickly got into paint a ton. But if you watch those drives, like the, the Wizards were covering up the shooters really well. There was really not a lot of places to kick to. And it makes it easier because the Knicks don't really do anything off ball. It's a lot of stagnant spot up guys waiting for the, for the kick out. Uh, and I thought the Wizards looked really disciplined. And um, I think... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. I'm pretty sure before the game he made some comment about like 
were keying like about keying in on Randall, and they were keyed in on Randall. Randall saw help almost on every drive. Um, it was he had a bad shooting game, obviously as well, but like it was tough on him. And I just thought there was no adjustments forthcoming from Tibbs. Whereas, at least from the previous game, like I, I it looked like the Wizards were even more locked into what the Knicks wanted to do. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious to get your thoughts because I know the Wizards have not been a great defensive team this year on the whole. But I thought over those two games, they actually played pretty well. And I'm, I wonder if maybe it's just a matchup thing, because I do think their general size and length is a problem for this next team. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like When the Wizards have shifted to this bigger front court of Kuzma, Gafford, Porzingis together, they've actually been a lot better defensively. Still not good, but to your point, they're big. And I would say you know the Knicks, at least from watching from afar, aren't a particularly big team at really any position. It doesn't seem like, you know, Brunson's undersized quickly. If you're playing him off ball, isn't a particularly big guy to be, be on the, you know, on the wing more. So like Randall's not, he's a big dude, but he's not a tall dude for the most part uh, relative to his, you know, the people guarding him. So I thought that was an issue typically for the Wizards. It's, you know, we're reasonably good defending the paint and then we get killed on the perimeter. I think they kind of took the other approach this game. It's like, well, you'll beat us with twos, maybe if you can make enough of them, but you're not going to beat us with threes. And for the Wizards, I, I don't have the stat in front of me, a little under uh, prepared for, for this particular one. So apologize for, for not having the right number. No, but no, Don't worry, we don't do prepared here. Good, I like that. <laughs> um, when the Wizards hit over 15 threes in a game, like, like, they win the vast majority of those games. And I think they hit 16 last night. So for them, it was, they took a lot of threes. They made a respectable percentage of them. And that's not really their thing. Uh, so if you catch the Wizards on a night where they're making a bunch, they're taking and making a good percentage of threes and not giving a bunch of them up, they're a better team. And they're also just a better ball movement team with Beal back. There's very yeah. few guys on the team that actually get into the paint. Kuzma being one of the few, surprisingly, for a 6'10 guy. Uh, so Beal just gives them another dimension. And, and, and you mentioned the ball movement. I thought that was the best it had looked for the Wizards in, in probably two weeks. So I was at the first game in D.C. and Beal didn't play and, and Monty didn't play. And it was just really clear that, uh, like, Kuzma's a, a he passes well, but he can't do it all by himself. And having Beal and Monty being guys who can just move the ball a little bit and then also be threats like, I remember the Wizards would, the Knicks would make the Wizards make the right pass, and sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And when they would, it would just, the ball would just gravitate to Rui on the three point line, and that's a win for the Knicks every time. I think he went like one of seven from three or something in that first game. But yesterday, that thing was pinging around much more, and all of a sudden, like the ball. Kispert, it's the Kuzma, it's the Kristaps, it's the Monty Morris, and these guys can now knock it down, and they, that five of, like, I mean, like, the group of, of Wright, Monty, Beal, Gafford, Kristaps, and Kuzma, um, they haven't played a lot of games together, right? Like, there's always someone hurt, I feel like. You just defined the Wizards' uh, existence pretty much because okay. there's always someone hurt. Uh, Wright missed the vast majority of the season. Walsh played, or sorry, Walsh, he's uh, it's fresh on the brain right now. Beal has played about half of the game so far this season. Kuzma and Porzingis have been relatively healthy overall. It's just that group together, I think it gives you kind of the best, you know, spacing, but also 
um, defensive length combo that the Wizards can offer. I actually thought Denny was pretty good last night, and yeah, he was sort of rolling the, the fuck out of the Knicks. Yeah, you, you, you need one of him or Rui or Kispert to have good games. If you get two of them, that's a that's a win for the Wizards. So um, yeah, I thought I thought he was pretty good, and I thought that helped. He also moved the ball pretty well. So like you said, if the ball's just kind of skipping around, um, it, it's tough to cover any NBA team if if you're on your heels a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I just think the Knicks, like, they, they were, they the starting group especially was atrocious defensively. Yeah, they were slow. They were slow. They didn't have it. Like, I mean, both the Monty Morris threes in the first quarter, Brunson's just staring at him. And it's like, look, I get Monty Morris is not the most explosive offensive player. He's a good shooter. Like, yeah, that's it's the one thing you have to guard. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one thing about him. And he's just staring at him, fucking lining up the ball, like, he could have he could have rotated it, get the seams all feeling good in his fingers. It was crazy. And then, you know, I, I mean, Randall. Look, Randall just looked exhausted yesterday, which I don't actually blame him. I'd be fucking exhausted too if I were him carrying the load he has. Um, I think he's played the second most minutes in the league this season. So, and he's a four man. So, like that, those are tough minutes he's playing. Um, I just, I, I have, I struggled to like blame guys for looking tired because i just think they were tired like i don't really know what to do with that you know and then the schedule loss more than anything else honestly like it's just that's that's yeah you just to find nba basketball i think yeah. right like this the, the it, confluence it of of uh of the rotation being short six guys getting the majority of the minutes three games and four and you know we talked about it on prior pods but like we just need reinforcements we need like another depth guy to give guys a rest um our bench right now not helping can I ask you guys a question real quick that I still don't understand as an outside Knicks watcher from time yes, to time? Can I can I guess what the question is? <laughs> yeah, please. What do we do with Obi Toppin? Oh, that would have been good. Uh, wait, I, let me guess. Wait, wait, let me guess. Is it why does Cam Reddish not play like any minutes? There you go. You got me. Ah! It was, uh, was going to streamline or go from from Reddish to somebody like Obi. Just in general, yeah. If you've so, got length guys who can provide some offense. Why not ever play them? So my guess is this. Uh, it's been hinted at by a few of the beat guys. I think Tibbs and Reddish had some kind of yeah, serious falling out. Um, yeah. And and to me, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll throw this out there. Like I know there are a lot of people. Every single time I tweet about a Knicks game now and they're not winning, you get like six people that like spawn in your mentions. Like, well, the Knicks have this fucking guy who can defend three positions, and I'm like, you're talking about the idea of Cam Reddish. Yeah. He doesn't and do not, any of that, right? Yeah, and, and, and not who Cam is. And, like, I I genuinely don't give a fuck about Cam Reddish because the way I've interpreted how this went down is he got hurt. Grimes was healthy at that, at finally healthy at that point. So Grimes comes in, he starts. That starting lineup is the first time, and Prez can attest this, it's the first time in three seasons under Tibbs that they've had a starting lineup that is good. Like, not and not just good, like really good. It look at any measure, net rating on court, off whatever the fuck you want to look at. They are a really good five man lineup, and that's with RJ doing weird stuff half the time and Randall like, you know, choosing when and when not he wants to defend, and Brunson doing weird things like staring at Monty Morris. Like despite that, they're a really good defensive unit. They're a really good offensive unit together. They've been blitzing teams. Um, I think so. So Grimes comes in, he takes the starting spot. Cam comes back, he's moved to the bench. So he's back to like playing, you know, 18, 20 minutes a night. I don't think he liked that. 
I think that's probably whatever disagreement he had with Tibbs. He expressed disagreement with Tibbs. And I don't really care. Like, if Tibbs wants to go fuck himself after that, I'm cool with that. Because you know what? Like, I've seen guys like Quickly. I've seen guys like Obi. I've seen guys like Grimes. I've seen even a guy like RJ who now I think this is not applicable to him now. But those four guys have dealt with, like, having their role changed and not probably getting the touches they want offensively and X, Y, and Z things. I mean, Quickly has literally outplayed Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, Alec Burks through his first two years, and he never got a chance to start. It would have been very, very easy for him to quit on the team, give less effort, cry to the media, whatever you want to do. Obi has played, you know, 18, 17 minutes a night backing up Randall. He's the eighth overall pick. You watched the game yesterday. He's completely uninvolved offensively. These are guys that have every opportunity and will be justified at various points in their career to either leak privately or just say something in a post-game press conference to stir the pot, and they haven't done it. So, like, for a guy like Cam, who already blew his good graces in Atlanta, comes to New York and wants to be hand, like, not just handed minutes, but also, like, hey, I should be a 22-usage guy. Like, why? You can't- the, thing, the thing that was a, that was a shame is... In his limited role, he was actually doing okay. Like he, this wasn't like oh, cross between Hezzy, Cam Reddish, who could beat Paul George in an alternate timeline or whatever. This was just like Cam only attack closeouts, hit spot up threes, be switchy, da 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 da. da. And he had bought in, and he was fine. He he looked like an NBA player, albeit a yeah. are you a functional player. ninth man at least? That, I yeah. Think- that that would have helped last night. Just, just that would, someone yeah, else. Hell yeah, fresh yeah. And, and, hell and yeah, would have helped. The, the thing that actually sucks is we never got to like the actual nine man lineup that I think most fans, at least reasonable fans, wanted to see is that starting five that we have, and then quickly, Cam Ob, one of the centers off the bench, and that would be your nine man group. We never mm-hmm. got to see that because. When we went to a nine-man group is when Cam and Tibbs, I believe, had their uh, alleged falling out. I I do think it's worth saying, like, as much growth as we saw from Cam in terms of, like, playing more simple offensively, one, in his last couple of appearances before he went totally off, you know, AWOL, you could tell he was was chucking. Like, he he was not doing the things that he had been doing he he was back to like he had he him. had two games particularly that one game against dallas where he relapsed and it was just like he just started doing all these crossovers and it was like whoa buddy just slow down a minute he a never cross- yeah. he did a crossover in the middle of the paint like in the middle of the floor and fell like he fell doing a crossover it was one of the funniest things i've seen i've have it clipped i'll maybe tweet it out again just for the hell of it um not really because cam hive is insane uh, it's also worth noting he has the worst on-court net rating of like the, of somebody who played consistent minutes at some point in time on the team this year. So like, despite his improvement, it's still not clear he's a positive player. Um, if, if I were him and uh, or his people or whoever is sort of making decisions there, this is the least sexy name ever. But any Wizards fans who listen to this will will get where I'm going with it at least. Just watch like. Auto Porter Washington Tate over yes. and over. Yeah. Be like six foot eight, be reasonably long, get beat back door a couple times a game because you're not paying attention, but 
but at least just be like a functionally long defender and a pretty good one and hit up spot like spot up threes and never dribble. Like if Cam did that, uh, you know, he's he's a valuable player. I, and I didn't even mean him specifically so much, but just last night I thought like they could use another guy somewhere on the perimeter or the wing yep. that did yep. like something of value. It, Deuce McBride, somebody that could come in and play more than like the 10 minutes. I think Deuce played like 10 minutes or something. And I love that dude. So I'm like, just fresh legs would have made a difference last night, it seemed like. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like, th- so this is like what you're actually describing is like the fundamental problem or not problem it's it, it is it's a fundamental like disagreement Tibbs ball yeah. with Tibbs where it's like the people that will support him and like find it ridiculous to criticize anything he's doing this year will be like well they're 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 exceeding expectations sure. young guys are playing a lot they're winning games like what's the issue here and there are people like myself and Prez and others who will be like look it's great they're winning games I'm happy the young guys are playing a lot but like there is a rigidity to this approach and there's an inability to be flexible in game. And like yesterday, like, like, okay, I don't think the Knicks were going to win that game regardless because they just, your key guys did not have any juice. Brunson picked it up in the third quarter, but like, I didn't think he played a very good game to be honest at all. Um, RJ didn't have it. Randall didn't have it. Those are your three main guns. Like two of them didn't have it. One of them just played like a, like he was, you know, what is that fucking movie? The, the one with Sandra Bullock, the meme where she's got like the blindfold on. Yeah. yeah, that that was that was Brunson throughout a lot of the game yesterday. Um, but like, like that's a game where you're watching and you're like, okay, you can't like you're stuck in in the mud offensively. How can you juice this? How how can you try to get out of this this fucking quicksand you're in? And it's like you can play five out. You like Randall has played the five a ton in his career. He's done it a bunch. Like, try playing five out. Put 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 Randall at the five. Put RJ at the four. See what happens. Like, what's going to happen? You're gonna you're down seventeen, or you might do, you might go down twenty two. Like, who cares? Just try try something. And it doesn't need to be that, right? It could be okay. Play Randall and Obi together. Play Randall and Obi at the three and four for for the hell of it. Like, try shit. And like, that's the one thing that I actually like. I don't know if West Central Junior is good, bad, whatever, but he does try shit. Like he does try things, and so less I, than one. Go ahead, please, please finish your thought there. Sorry. Oh, you know, I was just gonna say, like, wh- like I, there are a lot of coaches. Just the like trying things doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach, and we know this because we watched David Fisdale try it. God knows him any number of things, but like, if you don't try things, then you will never know. And to not try things on a night like yesterday, where you just you couldn't get it, and it's like. Maybe you just need to change the context of what you're presenting to your opponent and throw something at them that they have to adjust to. Even if it's like, okay, like we, we made a little mini run, right? When when we went to that small unit, Wes Unseld calls a timeout, Wizards adjust, and then they basically close the game out. But like maybe if you do that earlier in the game, that adjustment, like, okay, now they've adjusted to you. Now maybe you can go back to what you really want to do and it's more effective. I it's just the the un, unwilling to try these various things, and then you get into like, look, the game started. I think it was obvious in the first two three minutes that the Knicks were just they didn't have anything, and it's like he waits seven minutes to make a sub. The Knicks were down twelve by that point in the start of the second half. Okay, you've somehow you've miraculously clawed this thing back down to eight at halftime. Start of the second half, he plays Hartenstein over Sims. Hartenstein was terrible yesterday, which was obvious to anybody watching it. Sims. I don't think he was pretty great, but he was better than Hartenstein for sure. 
And he starts hard and center over Sims. He doesn't make a sub, I think, until like five or six minutes into the second half. They were that, that lead have, was 15 by then. So you basically punted the game within the start of each half. Like you're minus 12 and minus seven at the start of each half. You lose the game by 11. Like obviously basketball doesn't work exactly like that, but you're talking about a 19 point deficit that you created for yourself at the start of each half and you didn't change until way too late, even though it was obvious to anybody watching the stadium that like you needed to change something, that the team needed something to happen. Um, and then like, you know, the Knicks bench guys kind of like get something going. And then it's like they cut the lead to seven. They have a couple of bad possessions. The Wizards push it back to 10. And as soon as that happens, what does he do? Okay, nope, got to bring Randall and Brunson back in. It's time. And it's like, dude, they, I mean, Brunson, I guess I can understand because he did get it going in the third quarter. Randall had nothing going yesterday. It is, I've seen better players than Julius Randall when they don't have it going on a certain night. You know, the coach is just like, hey, look, you're still like, look, you're going to get, you're going to lead the team in minutes and usage for the rest of the year. Tonight's not your night. I want to see what OB does for the rest of the way and we'll see what happens. Like, it's not, if you can't handle that as a coach or you can't even, you know, get your get yourself to a place where that's you're open to that possibility. I just think you're restricting yourself so much. And like in restricting ourselves, does Tibbs create like a safe foundation and solid baseline? Yeah, I think that might that's probably fair to say. But I also think that like you're never going to explore what your real ceiling is and you don't learn all the things that you should be learning about this roster and informing your team building decisions moving forward. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. What I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You take a few early L's sometimes by playing these guys, but it pays off in the long run if you do it. And, and most of what I've learned about what coaches shouldn't do has come from watching just terrible Wizards coaches for most of my adult life. And the Scott Brooks experience started out as his fundamental philosophy was just like, just play your best guys. And uh, not a terrible thing in theory, but then you get to a playoff series and you're not willing to give John Wall a rest to play Sadoransky a few minutes or Beal a rest so you won't play Ubre and or Bogdanovich or, or, or things like that. And then he pivoted to like, okay, I'm going to play my best guys and I'm going to try weird shit. And you end up with a lineup of Ish Smith, Howell Neto, okay. Roy Brown Jr., uh, Russell Westbrook, and Robin Lopez. So like there's there's like a nice safe middle ground of like playing your best guys, but also tweaking stuff slightly enough where you're not doing like wildly crazy shit, but like a few wrinkles here and there are, are better for you in the long run. So I'm totally with you. I, I think that in the limited times I've watched the Knicks over the last couple of years, it's just been like, all right, there are other dudes here that could contribute, but 
Like, I'll see a good Deuce McBride game, and then I'll look, and he gets, like, five DMPs, and it's just like, I mean, you guys could tell me better than I I would know, obviously, like, if he's been good or not, but... I mean, Deuce has struggled a lot lately. Like, he's just not, he's playing without confidence. He's not shooting the ball. He's not even looking to shoot the ball. Yesterday, I was actually kind of happy. He, in the fourth quarter, he got a rebound, brought the ball up. Quick was, like, on fire, mm-hmm. but Deuce was like, no, get the fuck out of here. Waved him off, and then he ran pick and roll for Sims and threw him a lob. I actually liked that he did that. It showed a level of, like, I've yeah. got balls. Uh, Have you ever seen a guy's confidence get better from just getting sat for weeks at a time, though? No, you know, like, that. Like you might have to let him play through some shit because he's and, a young dude, but... I mean, the thing... Uh, one thing I will say about Tibbs is, like, at least with Quickly, I mean, he's had some fucking brutal shooting slumps, and he's sucked. Like, he's always at least played him, you know, like, for the most part, he plays him at least double-digit minutes. Even as a rookie, obviously, he's played over... He's averaged over 20 minutes a game since his rookie season. Um, like, he, he has kept with him. And, and actually, I think Brooks is actually a very interesting parallel with Tibbs because, like... Do I think Scott Brooks is a bad coach? No, I don't think he's a bad coach. But I you think he's, a, he's a terrible coach. Sorry, he's, so I, I think, but I think Brooks is good at like like he's actually consistently through his career been pretty good at player development, which is weird. And that's actually something that like Tibbs is weirdly good at also. Which like so I don't know how to reconcile that stuff with them where they're like because Tibbs basically does the same thing, right? Like I'm going to play my best guys as much as I can, and this is what we do, and we just do what we do, and we will not adjust. But like. Like, is there value to that in terms of developing? Well, part players? of part of play. The reason Tibbs is good at player development to me is because because even though he doesn't experiment and throw curveballs or change ups or anything like that, he's like, well, there's value to that for young players, right? That like, okay, and, and he's gonna <laughs> any any glaring holes in your game that are just like he will get those to mediocre. Like if you come in as a crap defender he'll probably like with obi like everybody the job you know the just being the draft guy everybody was like oh my god is this guy gonna just like hemorrhage points forever in the nba and he's not nobody's gonna confuse him with fucking you know og on an obi on defense schwinn's favorite player and uh the world's most <laughs> boring fake young star in the entire world multiple unprotected first rounders um no but uh He'll make it so that they're like they're all right, and it's it's the same thing with Deuce. Deuce came in, and right now he can't shoot for crap. But the other big glaring hole is like at West Virginia, he played kind of old school ball, like a lot of mid range pull ups and all that. And they were like, "We're gonna iron that out of you. Your shot profile may be all red, but it will be pristine locations. <laughs> like your expected percentages will be good, even if your actual ones are not." And he does the same thing with the bigs and with quickly, it was the same thing, right? It was like, okay, we know you can cross between headsy splash from 30 feet, but like, we're going to make you really good at running pick and rolls and doing trap dribbles and peel switches and all that shit. So um, I just, I I think, I think like the, the issue, and this is probably an issue for Brooks too, is like, okay, you develop players. Well, great. But like once they're developed, well, are you now, maximizing them? Yeah, and not just are you maximizing them, like, are you allowing them to take on more responsibilities within the team and, like, increase usage or defensive responsibility or minutes or whatever it may be? Um, and, like, has Tibbs done a better job of that this year? For sure. Like, you know, Grimes is starting. RJ plays a bunch. Mitch, is, Mitch has been great. 
uh, quickly, obviously plays a ton. Like he's obviously been better at that, but like some of that is also just, I- I'm sorry. It's not on it. It's not because of him. It's not like he's like, he saw, like, it's not like he found quickly and was like, Oh my God. Like, like this is some like undrafted guy that like Tibbs saw in training camp. And he's like, this kid just has something like, no, it's not that. So let's not make it that, you know, like, like we don't need to pretend that like, like these guys, like, first of all, it's very obvious to me. They're really that, good. Yeah, they're really good. Rose and Fournier absolutely fucking suck. Um, Cam and him hate each other. So it's like, okay, so what are you left with? He so has so many guys you can play, yeah. Right, he has. What's he going to do? He's going to play Svi? He's going to play Svi and Ryan Archidiakono? Like, come on. It's not going to happen. So so he's left with what it is. And, you know, like, I think this is where, and now, like, if you're the front office and you're going to keep faith with Tibbs, then this becomes your problem now where it's like, okay, look, you've got, these contracts, which aren't onerous, and actually, like an expiring fourteen and a half million for Rose, can net you something if you attach a first round pick to it, and the Knicks have a bunch of protected first round picks. So I'd love to get ours back, by the way. If, yeah, if I would love happen. for you to have something that we want to, to get that back. Where we didn't appeal to you after <laughs> last night's game, that wasn't a performance that made you want to add him to the roster. Hey, look, I've been, I, I've, I've been tweeting about uh, last summer I spent a bunch of my time tweeting about how the Knicks should try and get Porzingis back um, but and, and he sounded like he was desperate to come back after the game yesterday. that was some interesting quotes he had uh, he just got, wait, time out time out we have to go on a quick tangent about Porzingis so I don't know how much of like you know we're we're obviously all the way in the weeds. Like, oh, who's leaking what? Which reporter sources or this person and that person? I don't know any of that for the Wizards, even though I go to Wizards games and stuff. Um, when he when Kristaps was in New York, all of the like weird shenanigans that he referred to yesterday post game about like oh cryptic tweets and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, that all kind. I think the consensus. Here was a lot of that stemmed from Giannis, his older brother, yeah, who was also his manager of sorts. And all, like, has Giannis popped up in his Wizards tenure? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. But literally, just um, talked about this with another uh, another Wizard reporter last night on on our podcast about how there was like the shenanigans in New York. You heard like a couple things here and there in Dallas, but not much, and. KP's been like a really good citizen in Washington. Like he's not like Kuzma's like the locker room leader. Porzingis isn't that, but he's like a good professional adult who says and does the right things and tries to take accountability. And I, I've not heard any mention of the brother at any point. I've never personally seen him around at any Even point. Better. But, Even better. But yeah. but Porzingis himself, it, He's the first guy to be like, yeah, man, I blew tonight. Like, it, it was on me. If I did X, Y, and Z better, it's not just like lip service all the time. It's like, here's a specific thing that I was bad at that resulted in us losing in some area of a basketball game. And it's it's refreshing when you've had, like, your, your marquee guy say things like, well, we couldn't guard a parked car or guys, <laughs> you know, guys need to start step up. It's like. I need to. Okay, cool. Like, what what could you specifically have done better? Well, and it's so, not just the fake. Oh, I needed to. I needed to be better for us to win tonight. It's like tangibly. It's, I should have exploited this mismatch better. Like, oh, okay. I like that. Yes, you should have. Um. So I don't. Know. He's he's been really good. It's like genuine contrition, right? Um. Yeah. And, and actually, like this is really funny you mentioned this because 
last year and Presnell this, one of the things that drove me absolutely fucking nuts about Randall last year was they would ask him, like, he obviously had a terrible shooting year, right? So they'd ask him questions, like, and the defense, the team defense fell off. Obviously, his was atrocious last season. Like, I mean, yesterday was like a fucking, that was like a prime Hakeem Olajuwon level performance compared to the shit he was doing last year. Sure. Um, but, like, they would ask him questions like, oh, you know, like, what's going on with your, like, you know, you didn't have a good shooting game. What, what, what do you guys, what do you need to do to get back out of it, like, get out of slump or whatever? And he'd be like, you know, you know, guys just got to make the right plays. Guys got to. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, guys? Which guys? Like, you're like, the it's guy. You like it's yeah. fucking you. Like, no, it's not guys. It's you, asshole. Like, shut up. Like, don't do that. I hate when guys do that. Um, so that that is good to hear. And I think, you know, look, I know this for facts. So I'll tell you this. Um, I know that when uh he, or at least I don't know, but I have uh, let's just say I have good intel that when. So when he had his infamous, uh, when he skipped the exit meeting with Phil, his brother Giannis met with Phil, uh, I think the week after. And it was obviously to see how to mend fences and shit. Sure. And apparently Giannis went into this meeting with Phil Jackson, who, look, whatever you think about Phil Jackson, the guys want to Still Phil Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, it's Phil <laughs> Jackson. He's got 11 championship rings. Like, right. you're not telling him how to, like, do basketball, right? <laughs> and apparently Giannis went into this meeting with, like, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, look, this is how we need to get Porzingis going. This is how we need to use him offensively. And then he had a list of guys that, like, he thought that they should, the Knicks should go after in free agency. And look, awesome. he looked, yeah, he just, he just really went for it with yeah. Phil Jackson, who, like, look, the guys, he's not even going to listen to, like, somebody like Carmelo Anthony. He's going to listen to fucking you. Get out of here. Like, um, so That's I think why like, he likes Washington then, because if you're remote, like if you're a, just a role player and you go in there and you can run shit in DC, like we <laughs> act like everyone is prime MJ. So uh, he probably is like just perfectly content here and has nothing to complain about. I mean, I, I do think that the fact that he's back on what, like I think he's on like 27 usage this year. Um, that helps. He obviously wasn't happy with his role in Dallas. They met each other. Ha- that's the thing that I love. I mean, obviously the Wizards have had a lot of struggles, but like back when early in the season when they were doing well and they were healthy before all the injuries, like we were on here on the pod talking about like, okay, are the Wizards gonna? Is their pick gonna convey this year because they're gonna be better than people anticipated? And of course, like health is like we said is, is definitely the main barrier there. But like the other thing that just stuck out to me this year. Um, and we saw some of this yesterday is, you know, Dallas, they used him as super Ryan Anderson. And, mm-hmm. and there's some value in that because he really can shoot really well from like 35 feet. But here they had like his problem is you can't just throw it in the post to him like Carmelo or something. Yeah, but but he still moves decently. So mm-hmm. you can have him come off curls and. What the fuck do you do with the seven foot three guy coming off of a curl? Like they ran that a couple of times versus the Knicks, and I'm just like, of course we're gonna foul him. Like, what are we gonna do? He's huge and he's just shooting over the top. Like, better that than trying to back down Marcus Smart for eight minutes and ending up doing a hard bank fadeaway or something. So you know, credit to Unsolved for at least uh, seeing what was going on in Dallas and being like, that ain't it. We're stuck in like 1995, typically. So I think it, he actually fits for us because oh, like we'll play two bigs and we'll let him, right. you know each of them have post touches and you know he's not getting like traditional post ups. He has no moves. What does you know whatsoever other than like that one turnaround mm-hmm. kind of fadeaway thing? Which I don't know if you've got 
Quentin Grimes on you. I don't know that you need to fade away uh, personally, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, he's been good, and, and they've they've been willing to, like you said, meet him halfway, give him some like a, a more diverse shot diet, and it's the stuff he seems to want to do. And I don't know, you, you hear this about players and from players a lot about like is I don't know. For example, like the Ben Wallace one in Detroit, they always talked about like Larry Brown said like. Hey, yeah, of course I gave Ben Wallace a couple post-ups because he's going to defend harder. He's going to rebound harder. If the guy's uninvolved in the offense for the entire game because he's terrible at it, is he going to really give you the things he's as good at? So for Brzingis, it's like, all right, dude wants a couple post-ups. Like, good. I mean, let's find the right times to do them. So I don't really have a complaint about how they've used him. He he is limited, though. You know, Mm -hmm. like, as skilled as he is, there's still still only certain Uh things he, he can do at a high, you know, a high efficiency level. And, and I don't know, he, he's a good floor raiser in my opinion, but he does cap your ceiling when you're giving 30 plus million dollars to a guy that, you know, realistically is somewhat matchup dependent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the Wizards are, this is probably a good place to transition since uh, we've been talking about the Knicks a lot um, as we are, good. you know, as we are to do uh, <laughs> on a Knicks podcast. But do you think that, look, there's obviously been a lot over the years, like should the Wizards blow it up? Is it time to blow it up? And I, I don't know. Like I, I think I think they're, they're, they should have. But like I also understand, look, you draft a guy like Bradley Beal, he's fun to like make fun of for sure as a non-Wizards fan. But like you don't, I mean, Bradley Beal is a guy that, you, it's hard to draft Bradley Beal. Doesn't matter where you're picking in the draft; those are hard guys to get. So I kind of get the idea of like, well, we owe it to ourselves to actually try to build something around him. And I like, I know they have not nailed every move. God knows they haven't nailed every move, but I do think they've shown at least a willingness to like when they make mistakes to immediately bite the bullet and be flexible with that, right? Like they Friend of mine calls Russell. it the arsonist fireman. You start the fire, but then you're really good at putting it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's perfect for the Wizards. Yeah, it's that is a good one. And like, like you know, like they traded for Russ, and then they are able to flip Russ, and then they get these other pieces, and it's like, okay, Dinwiddie, but Dinwiddie didn't work, so now we're going to get Porzingis, and Porzingis has been better, but now you're, it's like, well, are him and Kuzma both going to hit free agency at the same time? Do we want to pay both them? So you've got all these things that you're balancing, and it's tough. But like, are you at like, how do you feel about that? Do you, are you fine with them kind of like playing this musical chairs and? hoping that they stumble into something? Or would you rather, at this point, that they just look at the team and be a little bit more realistic? And it's like, hey, look, like if we can get a package for Bradley Beal, we should do it. If we can get value for Kuzma, let's do it. Hell, if we can get value for Porzingis, let's do it. Let's, let's you know, blow this thing up, really, for, for actual, for real this time, and build it from the ground up. Or are you fine being like, hey, look, we have Bradley Beal. He's only 30. Like, we, we have time to try to figure this out before we need to go into fire cell mode. What's the thing about like rearranging tech chairs on the Titanic? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that's sort of where they're at. Like you can do that once or twice. Like, Hey, we've got something here, but these couple pieces aren't perfect fits. So let's roll it over and, and then, you know, try it with like a slightly different twist. And you can only make marginal moves when you have no assets really to do anything with, because you've drafted, you know, let's be generous and say mediocrely. Uh, for the most part. So it's just, it's tough, right? There's only so much you're going to be able to do. So yeah, if this team was healthy, do I think they're better 
than what their record shows? Yes. Are they that much better? No. So, like, rolling most of them over with some subtle tweaks next year, do I think it's marginally going to change? It could, uh, but marginally. So, uh, we had a one of the Wizards beat reporters on our podcast last night and, and talked about how, like, their front office desperately wants to keep Kuzma, and they think he's a modern player you can build around. However, ownership is not going to want to keep all three of those guys, and Kuzma will have the most likely chance of netting you a good return. So if they're not willing to resign him uh, as from an ownership perspective, he's probably gone. And if, if for some reason you get a good deal for Porzingis, then he's probably gone, and maybe then you can afford to keep Kuzma. I would imagine one of the two is gone, Kuzma being the most likely because people seem to want him. If somebody desperately needed a stretch big or something and, and wanted to throw us some stuff for Porzingis, it sounds like they'd prefer to give him up rather than Kuzma, which do with that information what you will. Uh, Rui is by all accounts gone. Uh, that's That relationship has soured, not from a Cam Reddish perspective where like he's burned a bridge, but I, I think it's just sort of time and... It seems like Monte Morris, all these other guys are on the table. I would expect Will Barton to move on in some way, shape, or form, whether he's salary filler at another deal. So they're just going to try again with Beal. Like, he will be here as long as he wants to be here. They are desperate to cling to this notion of Beal as our franchise player, and he's going to be the franchise's all-time leading scorer, and that's the thing they're going to take a victory lap about for an entire year to try to like distract from the fact that we're fighting for the 10 seed is sort of best case scenario for us. So that's just how this organization runs like that. The, the sites aren't set very high and he helps them kind of meet those sort of low expectations. If he ever gets fed up and forces their hand, that's the only way something happens. It was the same thing with Westbrook. Like he, they would not have traded him unless he had wanted out. And then it was like, okay, let's make the best of this that we can. That's the only way that happens with Beal. It was a good so, deal. They made a good deal. They made a great deal. I, I, I that's you know the the trading of Tommy Shepard has been pretty good to turn Troy Brown, a objectively bad pick, into Daniel Gafford, is a win. To trade uh, Aaron White, if you remember Aaron White, any Iowa basketball fans out there, into Davis Bertans was a good deal. They did dumb shit like not trading Bertans for at his peak value and resigning him and and things like that, but. For the most part, they've like been able to spin stuff into slightly better things. It just hasn't resulted in in wins. So at, at some point, like, okay, yeah, you've done better, but what where did it really get you? Our house is a mess. Come 
on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.